0: What is up, freaks? This is Jigsaw from... Oh, what the fuck was that, it's all You wanna play a game? That's all I got. It's actually Marty Ben. To introduce this rip of TFTC, this rip was brought to you by our good friends at Unchained Capital. Unchained Capital is here to bring you financial services, to bring you security, to bring you education, to bring you white glove concierge service that'll take you from zero to having a two or three multi-sig vault set up where you hold two keys and Unchained holds one key. This is important, you eliminate single points of failure. If you have all your Bitcoin on an exchange, that is a single point of failure. Bitcoin exchanges are known to get hacked. They're known to be targets of regulatory scrutiny. One day you could wake up, you can either not have your Bitcoin because the exchange lost it or not have access to it because somebody went to the exchange and said, don't give the freak access to his Bitcoin just because we said so. Unchain helps you eliminate that single party risk, okay, by creating a it two or three signature vault, a multi sig vault, where you hold two keys again. So you have full control of your Bitcoin as long as you have those two keys. Not even Unchain can prevent you from moving those Bitcoin. You can move them whenever you want. Um, but Unchain does have a key in case you get in a pinch and you need them uh, to, to move your Bitcoin. On top of this, they're providing financial services, they have a lending desk. They have an IRA product. Uh, they're they're building out a, a banger banger team. Go check out everything they have going on at unchained.com. Unchained.com. Use the code TFTC if you want to do the White Glove kind of share service. You'll get $50 off that package. Comes with video conference calls, hardware wallets, and a thousand cuck bucks worth of sats dumped in your vault once it's all set up. This rip was also brought to you by good friends at Brains. 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 The team with the Brains to bring you the Brains OS Plus firmware that's going to help you stack more sats with your ASICs. If you're in the mining world and you have an ASIC, one of those computers that that produces hashes that allow you to connect to a mining pool that then pays you in sats for contributing to. Producing hashes that allow you to add blocks of transactions to the Bitcoin network. BrainsOS Plus firmware. Uh, if you download it on an ASIC, if that ASIC is compatible, it's going to help you stack more Sats because you're going to be producing more hashes, uh, which is going to get you more Sats at the end of the day from uh, the mining pool or your your own pool or your, your own self mining um, operation if you have one. Uh, BrainsOS Plus firmware is the firmware that Brains is working on. They're also the team behind SlushPool, which is the oldest mining pool in Bitcoin's existence, the first ever mining pool. It's it's survived. A lot have have come and gone, but SlushPool has remained steadfast, stalwart in the mining pool industry. If you're using BrainsOS Plus firmware on your ASIC and you point your hash at SlushPool, you're going to get 0% fees from SlushPool. So um, that's a good perk. You don't have to point your Brains West Plus firmware uh, enabled ASIC at Slush Pool. However, if you do, you get those fees uh, waived. The the pool fees. Uh, they've got insights.brains.com, an incredible website that'll uh, allow you to get a a whole perspective of the mining industry, profitability, hash rate, difficulty, pool distribution, uh, the you know, profitability of individual. Basic models, the, the whole shabam. Insights.brains.com. Go to brains, B-R-A-I-I-N-S.com. Check out everything they have going on. It's all consolidated in that one web website. Go to brains.com. You'll see slush pool, firmware, the dashboard, the good content. Brains.com, B-R-A-I-I-N-S.com. Last but not least, this is where it was brought to you by our good friends at Huddle HodlHodl HODL is here to bring you a no, no KYC, no AML lending. Uh, platform that, it, that leverages Bitcoin's native multi-sig properties. You put Bitcoin up as collateral in a two or three multi-sig escrow account. You hold one key, your counterparty in the loan holds one key, and then Hoddle hodl is the third key, the arbiter in the situation. Um, the beauty of this, you don't have control of the Bitcoin throughout the duration of the loan. However, since you hold a key in the two or three multi-sig wallet, you have visibility into the wallet, which gives you the, the ability to have confidence that your Bitcoin is not being rehypothecated after you put it up as collateral to get stablecoin liquidity. You put your Bitcoin up, in the two or three multi-sig, you get stablecoins in return as long as you're paying back that lo- loan plus the interest attached to it. You are going to get your sats back at the end of the day. The other side of that marketplace is the people giving out the stablecoins. If you have stablecoins and you want to enter a peer-to-peer um, uh, anonymous lending market, you can do that at Huddle uh is the lending platform uh huddlehuddle also has a peer-to-peer exchange just go to Hoddlehoddle.com for that um they're building incredible tools and products at huddlehuddle bang up team really staying true to bitcoin's ethos of peer-to-peer um, commerce and leveraging bitcoin's native properties to to bring a future financial product well it exists today it's not a future financial product It's here today but they're creating a vision of, of what a future financial company may look like lend.hoddlehoddle.com for the lending platform enjoy this riff
1: you've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free if you talk about a fed just gone nuts All all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe
0: that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean,
1: that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin.
0: If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. 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 We got to burn down the healthcare industry. Burn it down.
1: Hopefully the ATF doesn't call me. <laughs> when I say that, I, I got burn down the healthcare industry. and like the knock on your door, right?
0: Well, the uh, ATF's just, known for burning things down. Well, so maybe that's true. we should. That's true. Maybe we should tap them. Not on the too shoulder. far from here, too, right? <laughs> <laughs> maybe they'll help us. Yeah, exactly.
1: Maybe you can help.
0: Uh, you can help. Sitting down with uh, Andy Schunover from Crowd Health. Thank thanks. you for coming on, sir. Man, thanks for having me. This is fun. Appreciate it. Well, like I was saying right before we record, I think what you're doing is very important you're here to burn down the healthcare industry uh, and build it back up. What it, uh, so before we get into crowd health and all that why do you think it needs to be burned down?
1: There's just so many legacy um, incentives that it's just going to be hard to whittle away. Yeah. You know, it needs to be burned down or or broken and and started again um, because there are too many people with too much money involved. To see it make significant progress by just a a slow whittle, you know, it really needs to be be burnt down and and, and start again. You know, I think it has to start with the payment processes. Um, given there are so many perverse incentives within payment, we can get into that. But it's um, you know, people are like, why is healthcare so broken? You know, and I was like, well, when you have a uh, a system where the the buyers of healthcare, which is health plans, and the sellers of healthcare which are hospital systems and they both want the price to go up. Guess what? <laughs> the price is going up, right? It doesn't take a, you know, an economist to figure that out. So we've got an incentive system where health plans actually want prices to go up. It's really screwed up. Um, and then and they're the ones supposed to be negotiating for us, mm-hmm. right? But they're not. I mean, they're they've got an incentive to actually see your premiums go up from month to month and so um, it's
0: just unsustainable. So you have hospitals, the plan providers. So let's, let's describe all the stakeholders in this incentive system. So those are two, mm-hmm. who else is layered in there?
1: Well, you got brokers, mm-hmm. right? So brokers are in the game because it's so complex that nobody feels like they can tackle health insurance on their own. And so the the brokers take a big chunk out of your, your monthly premium as well. You know, it's somewhere between 10 and 15% goes to brokers, which is, incredible to me <laughs> um, and so you know they're in the middle of that um, so if you could redo the system so it's less complex, you and I would feel very comfortable with going on you know uh, the internet and order order health insurance just like we would kayak on you know airplanes or cars or you know things like that or all the other things that we go on the online to, to buy. It shouldn't be complex and so you know crowd health we're really trying to simplify everything S-s-s- simplicity is a core value of ours we just want to make it easy to understand um given healthcare is just so so damn complex
0: well it's not really complex it's stressful i right? thinking about it i was telling you i left my former employer who well, i was getting health benefits from uh and basically quit that job and have since had to transition to cobra mm-hmm. and my wife is pregnant and it's, it turns out that being pregnant in the state of texas is a pre-existing condition so uh the our Cobra costs per month are pretty insane. More than our rent was uh, on the Upper East Side uh, in New York when I first moved to New York. And it's stressful. It's like, damn, why am I paying this much? And then you have like deductibles, like you're, mm-hmm. you're going and then you're paying money anyway. And it's very confusing. I'm like, wait, what am I paying for in- insurance for? Like I'm still paying all this money. Co-pays,
1: out-of-pocket out maximums, co-insurance. You're like, you have no idea how much this pregnancy is going to cost you probably. No. Like, and you're just like, you, you, you have to just take it, right? Yeah. Like, okay, well, I guess that's what it is, right? Yeah. It's like the only service in the country I think I can think of. It's like, you go and you get a service and you have no clue what it's going to cost you. It's like a plumber coming into your house and like handing you a $2,000 bill for fixing the faucet. You're like, wait, hold on a second. Like, how can this be legitimate? You know? Um, And so that just has to change. Yeah. Um, and And- Again, simplify things really, really easy. You know, with Crowd Health, it's like 500 bucks. That's what you're going to pay. You know, if you break your arm, 500 bucks. If you get, you know, have your baby, 500 bucks. If you have cancer, 500 bucks, right? Walk into the hospital, 500 bucks. Super simple. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of the key to why we've been successful over, you know, the last year or so is people understand it when they come in. Like, I don't have any questions about how much it's going to cost me. Which is a key, key component
0: well why did you start crowd health because i've uh, been talking to jonathan from 1031 he's mm-hmm. very passionate about what you're doing him being a doctor himself and he, he said you got pulled out of retirement to do this
1: i basically yeah got pulled out of retirement I, I i was doing another healthcare technology company and i sold it to a private equity firm and it went you know super super good um and so i was kind of retired there for a while and then I was, as such, I, I didn't have healthcare from an employer. Most of us get healthcare from employers, like you mentioned. So I went over to healthcare.gov and I was kind of ignorant. I should have never done it, but I did. Uh, I went to healthcare.gov and chose a plan that kind of looked right. Like there's literally a hundred different options, you know, with different copays and deductibles and all these kinds of things and premiums. And I'm like, man, I don't know, like this one looks right. Um, so I got one and uh, my little one who was uh, one at the time was having recurring ear infections. So we went to the ear, nose and throat doc and said, you need to get tubes in the ears. Um, So we went to the local hospital and uh, got tubes in her ears, 15 minute procedure, got the bill, eight grand. I was like eight grand for 15 minutes. Like this is ridiculous. We were actually in the hospital for 45 minutes total like in and out. Mm-hmm. It was like the fastest hospital trip I've ever been into. And uh, so I was like, all right, well, I have insurance. Like that's the whole point of insurance. And they sent me a note, snail mail, interestingly, and said uh, it was medically unnecessary. And so we're not gonna pay for it. Um, so, you know, one, the ear, nose and throat doc delayed his vacation by a day because he was so worried about her long-term hearing loss. Mm-hmm. Two, once we got the tubes in her ears, her recurring ear infection stopped So, and they still come back and says it's medically unnecessary. So, uh, I had to stroke an $8,000 check to the local hospital and I was pissed.
0: So, the hospital's defining that as unnecessary.
1: No, no, the health insurance plan. Health insurance, okay. Yeah, so the health insurance plan says we're not paying for it. It's Mm -hmm. between you and the hospital. And so, I didn't know better. I just was like, okay, well, I don't want to go into collections. I don't want to, you know, have my credit score impacted. I guess I'll just have to pay for it again. Like, we just kind of have to bend over and take it. Right? Yeah. Like that's how health insurance is structured right now. Um, so I had to write the $8,000 check. And this, the, the sucky thing about this is, right? Like I can do that. I've been, you know, super fortunate, but I don't know, 75, 80%, maybe more of Americans, they don't have eight grand sitting in the bank to do this. Right? Yeah. And this is for ear tubes. This is like a totally like benign common thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is putting people in into bankruptcy. So 250,000 people last year went bankrupt, even though they had health insurance because of medical bills. You're like, what the hell? Like the whole point of health insurance is so that like, if it's you there when you're, it's there when you need it. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, there's, it's just so broken in, in so many ways. I mean, we spend twice as much as the next country per capita on, on healthcare. I mean, it's, it's screwed up and it's not because of consumption. It's not like we're consuming way more healthcare. It's, because of
0: prices, yeah, and they, like you said, like the insurance companies supposed to argue or uh, they're supposed to negotiate negotiate yeah. on your behalf, right? And they're like, no, we're gonna. So, how much money are these insurance companies make? Oh, hundreds and hundreds
1: of billions of dollars. Like the seventh and eighth largest company on the planet is Aetna and United Healthcare. Yeah, like on the planet, this is not in the United States. Like uh, uh, by revenue. They they have more revenue than you know every other company in the planet except five, five or six.
0: And having interacted with United Healthcare specifically, like they're not reinvesting in tech or anything like that. You go to their site and you no. and you try to. I think that's what we get United Health via Cobra. Yeah, and like try going to their site and like yeah, trying to like just manage your healthcare account is very confusing.
1: Well, the, the you know Obamacare, I guess it's about ten years older or, or now um, or so uh, had a a piece in there that said the health plans can only profit 15% of your premium. So on the outside, looking in, you're like, Oh, great. You know, the health plans can't fleece us. Right. The problem with that is that jack up the premium, They jack up the premium. So they make more. So like, if you have a thousand dollar premium, the most they can make is 150 bucks. Guess what? At $1,100 premium, they can make 165 bucks. So there are not, there are for profit, right? So of course they're, you know their incentive is to have premiums increase, Talk which about is sc- totally screwed up.
0: Government right? trying to create a price ceilings. Like the intention was was,
1: was good, I guess, right? But the, the ramifications of that are are are, are bad. And I mean, right? I'm I'm a healthcare guy. You're a you know a, a Bitcoin guy. We both believe that one government gets involved in things, ninety nine times out of a hundred, they screw it up. Like yeah. The intent arguably, let's just argue for the sake of it, is good. But they just don't understand the basic economics of, of how the market works. So you take all the free market aspects out of healthcare and you get rising prices. It's just going to happen.
0: Well, you compound that that negative externality of the government messing things up when it meddles with, I actually wrote about this on Friday, with the, like, the fiat monetary system, the fact that they can just print money mm-hmm. and misallocate it. Terribly at all these things that they want to put their hands in just compounds the problem uh, to a very high degree. Healthcare being one of the best examples, education being another, where they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna give everybody free education. We're gonna give out all these loans, and then the universities just jack their price up." Where I mean, some universities are charging like eighty grand a year now, and uh, it's a coupling of government meddling and a unsound monetary system that enables it via the ability to print X Absolutely. and e alone, just throw it at all this stuff. And that's why I think the convergence of Bitcoin in any of these areas that government is meddling in is a very powerful um, tool to, to sort of fix things. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the incentives in the healthcare system are all messed up. And mm-hmm. Imagine what we can do if we can get the government out of it and, and combine it with Bitcoin, which is... Something you plan on doing with Crowd Health too?
1: Yeah, we're we're a couple months away. So I think August first is going to be launch date. we kind of talked about that in the team internally, and we're going to launch our Bitcoin version of what we're doing
0: in just a couple months. So we're we're right around the corner. All right, so let's dive into like how Crowd Health works now mm-hmm. and how it will work when Bitcoin's incorporated. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And, and then, like, did you find you? Bitcoin because you notice would provide this utility to crowd house where you've been a Bitcoiner and been thinking of ways to, to integrate it.
1: Yeah. I've been a Bitcoiner for not that long. I'm pretty new. I I kind of joked that Bitcoin is my second language you know, Mm -hmm. healthcare is my primary language. Um, so I'm, I'm learning. Um, and it's been fun. And I, I mean, I feel like the community within Bitcoin has just been like, so embracing of anybody who's willing to sit here and be like, dude, I don't know everything, but I'm learning and I'm, you know, intrigued and they're like, oh yeah, come on in. You know, like, let's teach you. So, um, you know, I'm friends with Jimmy here, Song Jimmy Song here in, in Austin. Um, and he kind of orange pilled me about a, a year ago. And so started a year, year ago and have been investing, you know, over the last year. Um, and so fairly new to, to Bitcoin, but my um, first kind of love is, is healthcare. So when I had this thing happen with my, my daughter, I was like, man, we gotta do something different here. You know, and and so I've been uninsured for two and a half years, and so my my wife and I have kind of started building some tools that allow us to operate outside the health insurance system. And um, the culmination of that is Crowd Health, and so we had a seed round last year of six million bucks. We're going to raise you know another ten to fifteen here over the next couple of months, and uh, so we're excited to get see that going. But you know, basically what this is is it's almost like an HSA, right? Instead Mm -hmm. of putting your money into a, a health insurance company. Who holds this money in a big pot of fiat, right? Depreciating assets. Um, you know, what if you could do that in in Bitcoin? You know, like basically have a pot of Bitcoin instead of a pot of of uh, of fiat, right? Um, so again, the mechanics is you put money into an account every month. Twenty five percent of that is held in fiat. Seventy five percent is converted to Bitcoin. You hold that in we we're. we're Trying to do self custody in a self custody way, you're only going to touch that in case there's something big that happens that you need to to pay for. Mm-hmm. The 25 in 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 uh, fiat is specific for just liquidity. Like, mm-hmm. We don't want you to sell your Bitcoin, so we're just going to have a little bit of fiat there look for liquidity. And then if somebody in the community has a health event, like my family's, you know, daughter breaks her arm, right? It's six grand. I'm like I said earlier I'm responsible for the 500 or committed to the 500 and then the the 5500 is uh, I asked 55 people in the community will you throw in 100 bucks to help me with my health event mm-hmm. um and then you can say yes or no it's up to you it's more like crowdfunding um and if you say yes then money is transferred from your account 100 bucks from your account into my account and then once I get fifty-five people to say yes, I've got all the money I need in my account to pay for that that health event. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how that works.
0: And are these accounts held on uh, the platform or in just your personal bank account?
1: They're held on. They they are a we start we start a bank account in your name, FDIC insured at a bank, and so that money is held. The fiat is held in a bank account. That is under your name. Okay. So, and the great thing is, is if you decide to leave Crowd Health, it's your money. You take it with you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not like you, a health insurance plan where you are putting money in and it disappears into the black hole of health and plan land. It's it's yours. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just setting up an account for you so that we know that you are actually putting money into an account and not, you know, spending it on whatever um so that's that's the reason that we do that so and we've done this for i don't know a couple hundred bills so far and it's ranged from a 47 seven dollar pediatrician bill to a 175 or 100 and whatever several hundred thousand dollar um uh, brain aneurysm Mm -hmm. um so small bill big bill it's worked um a couple hundred times thus far and it works great so so how
0: does it work do you have like different communities? Is it one large mm. community? Like how many people are in each and?
1: Yeah. So our Bitcoin community is going to be our second community. Okay. Um, and I need about a thousand people to get it up and going. One, because infrastructure just chain you know, uh, charges uh, expenses. And then two is like, Hey, if just you and I in a, in a community, you know, mm. and I get cancer or something, um, we'd be like, Okay, all right. How are we going to get this cancer a bit more <laughs> right? So I need a thousand people to kind of viably do this, mm-hmm. and so um, we have know, several hundred ha- have signed up with us thus far on the Bitcoin side. So I need to get to a thousand before I, I launch. I'll be ready to launch our, our August first. And so anybody who hears us who's interested would love you to to jump on over to our website and and sign up.
0: Well, there you got one here,
1: Crowd, um, CrowdHealthBTC.com. and it's. Just, it'll t- it shows you how it works at the bottom. It's like, give me your email and the number of people in your your house who are interested. And uh, once we launch, we're going to send out an email to everybody and say, hey, we're ready to roll. Let's do it. And you can then sign up online. So there's no commitment right now. It just it, it's kind of looking for interest.
0: Okay.
1: I'm interested. So you
0: got four for my family. There you go. <laughs> uh, the, and this is available nationally?
1: Yeah, all over. The, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nationally in Puerto Rico. So you got to have a, uh, a US-based
0: uh uh, address. Yeah. yeah. So, and w- and so you've been operating for a couple of years, like how, how's it, like you said, you've paid hundreds of bills. Yeah. What, uh what's the date like? So I'm interested to see. Like, we started
1: in April of last year, so April. we're a little over a year old. Over, yeah. yeah. And so, and we've used, I saw this morning, the stat, 24% of the money that you've put in, we've used for health events, which means that 76% of what you put in is still left in your account.
0: And, like, yeah, what's well, the breakdown of like people who are contributing versus people who get sick and like need to pay bills? Like, do you have, that's the other thing too. Like, do you have, um, are you looking for people who are like healthier um, to, to decrease risk for the overall group or? Yeah,
1: you know, it's interesting, right? Like we, we didn't set out to do that, but it is self-selecting, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're doing something new. We're doing something different. It's tech enabled. And therefore the people who are self-selecting in are younger, Mm-hmm. um our average age is thirty four so young crew um the average uh b m i is like four or five points lower than the national average, so they tend to be you know healthier mm-hmm. um you know you can't be over three hundred pounds and join us you know so you know that's the the one stipulation if you have a pre-existing condition, um you know all we do is we ask that you pay for your pre-existing condition for that first year. And then we'll fund up to twenty five thousand of that pre existing in the second fifty in the third and a hundred, the fourth and beyond. So it's kind of like, look, if you have a pre existing condition, you can't just jump on and then expect everybody else to pay for your stuff, <laughs> right? So um, again, it's kind of a maybe more of a libertarian <laughs> leaning, you know, view on on this. But um, you no, know, I think these Bitcoin. I was just at Bitcoin twenty two. I'm sure you were too, down in Miami. Um, it was like, look, everybody there is young. You know everybody Mm -hmm. there is feels more fit than the 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 average takes more personal responsibility in their their health and so we're setting up a crowd of just folks that do bitcoiners bitcoiners only um you're going to be funding other bitcoiners only only. and so i think it's gonna be a really healthy crowd is my is my guess probably more healthy and a little bit younger than my existing crowd
0: yeah and what do you think the like the biggest mental hurdle is for people to go from like traditional health insurance to something like crowd health. Yeah. We just got,
1: you know, stuck in our mind. We've been conditioned to think, oh, you got to have health insurance, you know? And I feel like that's why I'm so excited about presenting this, to the Bitcoin community, because we have already gotten over the hurdle of like, this is the way that you have to do it, right? Mm -hmm. You have to pay with these dollar bills in my pocket, right? Like, no, 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 you don't have to do that. Like, that's not the only way. There is another way. And so I think it's our biggest objection is typically from people who are risk averse and are like, I'm just not gonna do something new. And I was like, man, I think ours is way less risky than going with an insurance plan, right? Like I got rejected on an $8,000, you know, tubes in my daughter's ears when the ENT told me, ear, nose and throat doc told me that it had to happen. And in fact, if you go to healthcare.gov, one out of every six claims last year, was rejected, was, was denied. So you have a one out of six chance of getting your, your bill denied. And we've paid thus far a hundred percent of the bills that have come in. We've gotten them paid. Right. So I was like, I I think going to United is more risky than coming to us. But, and you know, me and my family are on it. All of our people are on it. So we, we believe in it. And uh, so I don't, You know, if you're in Tennessee, it's one out of every three. If you're with healthcare.gov, if you live in Texas, where we are now, it's one out of every five. Those are real, like legitimate, you know, probabilities.
0: Yeah. Like you you said, said, I mean, $8,000, you you mentioned a stat earlier, but the stat that always sticks in my mind is something like 60% of Americans couldn't afford a $400 emergency expense without going into debt. (laughs) And
1: now 50 to 60% of Americans have medical debt on their credit card. Yeah. Right. Like that's a problem. Like that's riskier to me. So here's the crazy thing, right? Is the government tells the insurance plans that they can market that they promise to pay. And you know, it's a guarantee that's a part of insurance. They will guarantee that they'll pay, pay your health insurance. Yet they don't. <laughs> the government says to me, you can't guarantee. And if you do guarantee your health insurance, you're considered health insurance. And therefore you've got, you know, thousands of pages of regulations that you have to live by. Yet I'm actually getting the the bills paid, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's one of those really screwed up situations,
0: Um, but- Hey, I mean, it seems like you're actually providing better insurance than the actual insurance industry.
1: Yeah, well, uh, it's assurance, you know, instead of insurance. You know, we're not insurance. That's one of the things I want to let you know, folks know. We're not insurance. We're not guaranteeing that your bill is paid. We can't do that, you know, or regulators will send me cease and desist. We were just talking about it earlier. Um, uh, You know, and so we're not insurance. We are a different way of doing that. Just like Bitcoin is not dollar bills, right like it is not yes there are there are some similarities for sure, but they are not dollars.
0: This is not health insurance. what's well, another way to pay for your health care and we we had uh, we talked what was it two weeks ago now at this point, mm-hmm. and we were talking about the the libertarian hospital in Oklahoma uh, yeah, yeah. that has proven. Uh, at the hospital level, that you can do healthcare a different way, and this is just like another way to do that. It's like they mm-hmm. actually are upfront about the cost of their procedures mm-hmm. and allow people to pay, yeah, in cash up I
1: think I, I don't. Know, I think I told you the story a couple weeks ago, but I'll, I'll tell it again. But um, we had a, a member in Wisconsin had to have uh, heart surgery. The local hospital in in uh, in Wisconsin, which is like owned by one health systems, like so they have a monopoly up there. It was eighty three thousand dollars for their surgery there. Um, I We found them one in Chicago, which is about an hour and a half away for $44,000. We found them one in Oklahoma city that was $22,000. So it's like a thousand miles away and it's $60,000 difference. So we stuck them on, you know, first class, two first class trip uh, flights to, uh, or plane tickets down to Oklahoma city, Milwaukee to Oklahoma city, put them up in the nicest hotel in Oklahoma city in the suite. Uh, for three days and we're still saving 55 grand (laughs) and we paid them, you know, 2,500 bucks to go down there and do it. Right. How does that work? We like as a part of the health event, you know, we, we, we went and we crowdfunded their surgery, their flights, their hotel and 2,500 bucks. And it was still, you know, more than 50 grand, 55 grand, less than what their local hospital was. Right. So we can do, crazy things like that, because, and by the way, this, this, uh, heart surgeon in Oklahoma city was like a center of excellence. Like he's done more of these things than almost anybody in the country. And so who would you want to go to the person in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. who never does these or the guy in Oklahoma city who will do this for 25% of what that guy will do him. And he does them all the time. Right. So that's just like United healthcare would never do that. You know, yeah. even Aetna would never do that, but we can do that.
0: Well, this gets back to the concept of like negotiating on behalf of yeah. the people uh, who are a part of crowd health mm-hmm. or part of like an insurance plan. You're actually going out negotiating, looking for the best deals for these procedures and healthcare mm-hmm. around the country. What's, what's that like that process? like?
1: Yeah, we have one here in Austin, uh, a woman tore her ACL playing pickleball, of all things. <laughs> pickleball is like blowing up right pickleball. now. I know it's crazy. Um, you know, in the health plan, pricing is like twenty grand for an ACL replacement in uh, in in Austin, and so we got it for thirteen. Um, with again, one of the best orthopedic surgeons in town, and and the reason why he'll do that is we're going to pay him in cash, right, mm-hmm. the day of, right. So we do all the crowdfunding beforehand. She has the money ready to go on the day of her surgery. She pays him on the day of the surgery. And so the doc is like, wow, I get paid cash. You know, Otherwise he'd have to wait 60 or 90 days for a health insurance plan to pay him. They would haggle with him. He's not sure exactly how much they're gonna pay him. You know, So we take out all of those risks. We pay him on the day in cash. And he's like, dude, this is great. Like, Can you bring me more people? I'm willing to give you serious discounts if you'll pay me in cash. Um, doctors about thirty percent of their time is spent with health insurance plans, and so if we can give them thirty percent of their time back, they're willing to take significant discounts because one, they they just want to take care of their patients, like that's mm-hmm. why they got into medicine, not haggling with health insurance companies. So, um, yeah, the, the
0: the the doctors love it almost as much as the members love it. Yeah, you hear a bunch of horror stories about how. A lot of doctors' work is a bunch of administrative bullshit. Yeah, that, that they totally. don't want to deal with at all. Yeah, it's very sad as a society. We've gotten to a point where we've made health care hard for people. At a time when society's supposed to be advancing technologically, intellectually, and we're supposed to be moving forward, it seems like in some areas again, where the government tends to meddle, that things have become materially worse off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you just. Talk broadly about healthcare, not even like the services, just like health of your average American. It's yeah, in a wo- woeful state. Well, it's a four
1: trillion dollar
0: industry in this country,
1: which is probably one of the biggest industries on the planet. Like four trillion is bigger than all GDPs of any kind of country except us, China, and Japan, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, it's huge. Yes, And so there's just lots of money to be made, right? So you got the brokers, you got, you know, everybody's in the middle of it and wants a little piece. One of the other thing that's crazy, um, it's interesting to me, may not be to, to, to your audience, but you know, when these doctors bill health insurance plans, they have to bill through an electronic health record. And the electronic health record takes between six and 10% of the revenue for just billing, what? right? your Visa or your MasterCard or whatever takes two, 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 five, something like that percent, mm-hmm. you know, with Bitcoin is becoming almost frictionless. And so, you know, just to think that the electronic health record takes that right off the top, which, you know, the doctor doesn't get right. It's it's all these people just biting away at, at the, 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 the total cost here. And it just, we, we get rid of all of that.
0: Well, then you get into the whole incentive of like, is the industry actually incentivized to make people healthier? Yeah. Well, absolutely not. Which is really fucked up. When you think about, I mean, FDA putting out the food pyramid, which made us all fat. And I mean, not the pyramid itself, but normalizing the Mm -hmm. the consumption of shit, um, which increases healthcare costs. The opioid epidemic is another thing that you point to. And like, these people really don't care about health. They're pushing pills on people um, because it's very lucrative. I mean... I don't want to get kicked off YouTube, but there was uh, in the last couple of years, uh, people favored newer treatments over older generic ones because uh, generic ones weren't very profitable. Again, like, do you think there is just a nefarious incentive system where people in the industry are literally not incentivized to make sure that the end patient is healthy at all? Uh, For sure. There's no doubt about it. There's no
1: doubt in my mind. There's a nefarious... And, and look, and, and and so we can point fingers at people at health insurance, and I don't particularly, you know, love the folks that are running these health insurance companies, but they are they are responding to, um, how do I make as much money as possible, right? Um, they're working within the framework the government has given them, which has allowed them to make a ton of money, you know, on us, and it has allowed them to be able to to deny some of these claims, um, and not and get away with it, right? So is that nefarious or is that just, you know, playing the game, you know, hate the, hate the play, I hate the game, but you know, what, what is it? Right. Um,
0: and so the game is just so screwed up that they're just playing the game. Yeah. I mean, with opioids specifically, I, mean, I forget what documentary it was where they went in and they, uh, the whole concept of like healing pain or something like that yeah. was, was the, I mean, I think they literally had to get something changed or approved by a regular say, no, we can treat pain. Um, over like a specific disease and that opened the floodgates. Well, that was totally
1: screwed up. I mean, the whole opioid thing was totally screwed up. Yeah. I mean, when you have, you know, one pain doctor in bum Kentucky or whatever it was, uh, you know, with a 10,000% more opioids than than the guy in, you know, downtown, you know, Manhattan or whatever, it's like something's screwed up here. So there's some nefarious things going on there for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So how, CrowdHealth changes the incentives. Does Bitcoin change the incentives at all in your mind?
1: Well, I think it does. I mean, look, for one other the quick thing on CrowdHealth is the way we make money is just a subscription. Mm-hmm. So you're paying us 25 bucks a month to be on the platform. It's a platform fee. Um, that's our, our primary way of making money. So we actually are incentivized with with everybody else to grow the, the community, mm-hmm. right? And the more people you have in the community, the better, are, better off everybody is. So totally aligned incentives. Um,
0: well, that was one of my questions I wanted to ask, like, is this scalable? Like,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. And then with the other revenue source that we have is say, um, you know, the, what the health plan pays versus what we negotiate, we take some of the difference. Mm-hmm. So it actually incentivizes us to reduce cost as much as, as possible. Right. So again, totally aligned with, with, uh, with the membership base. So, yeah. I, you know, I think we're very aligned, no perverse incentives there. Um, And we're very transparent on how we we do that. So you can go on our website right now, even if you're not a member and you would be like, oh, this is how they make their money. That's how it should be. Um, And then I think for, look, I think for Bitcoin, you know, right now we have this inefficiency, right? Where we have these big pools of capital that are depreciating, right? And so you have to overcome that. And to overcome that, your premiums go up. And I was like, if we can get a a, a decentralized pool of of capital in Bitcoin where the asset is actually going up. like you know people roll my roll their eyes when I say this, but I was like, man, I think there's an opportunity with Bitcoin that you know folks like you and I who are willing to do this may never have to pay healthcare care again, right? Yeah. like i mean if 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 bitcoin does what we think it's going to do, and that's why we're all you know in this, um I think there's that opportunity that you're you're you know, a few hundred bucks a month over time builds up to, you know, tens of thousands of dollars of, of you know, assets sitting there that you can use for healthcare or you can hold on to, right? But I think there is a scenario in which you, you don't have to pay for healthcare again, right?
0: Because you've got this asset that now is really, really yeah. valuable. I mean, um, yeah, the way I described it to my wife... Again, she's one of those who's like, "Oh, I don't know. We can go off like regular insurance." <laughs> it's like, "Honey, we're going to speculative attack our future healthcare costs. That's right. It's uh, that's right. It's the way I view it, at least. Yeah. Um, when we when we join Crowd Health, and yeah, it makes so much sense. It, it, if Bitcoin does what it continues to do, or, or has done, uh, which I think it will, because um, I think the the incentives of, of Bitcoin and its adoption are are very apparent. Like, this is a no-brainer, yeah. like and then on the doctor side too. Like maybe you start getting them some skin in the game on the Bitcoin, uh, and and then they're incentivized to start stacking, and over time they're able to lower their costs or their prices. At the end of the day, like, could this I think, have a yeah. crazy effect on the, the overall pricing across the healthcare industry? Not only on the um, uh, the the Assurance side, but on the actual delivery of the product at the end of the day. Well, I think you know most people within
1: Bitcoin want it more widely adopted, more people to be you know on the on the bandwagon, and I think that if the doctors can get on the bandwagon in a four trillion dollar industry, it could be a really mover. I mean, it could be a mover in in Bitcoin. You get four trillion dollars pouring into, you know, or even a small fraction of four trillion pour, pouring into to Bitcoin that is going to move the price up, Yes, right? Um, it just is, so you need you need more. And we're gonna ask every doctor, like, look, do you wanna be paid in Bitcoin or do you wanna get paid in, you know, fiat? Like, it's up to you. Like, yeah. that's gonna be something that's just a part of our normal course. And a lot of doctors will be like, what the, hell are you talking about? You know, but it, it's good to have the conversation then. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, here, here's why you should take it.
0: Here's a touch, it's a touch point. It's a
1: touch point. And they need multiple touch points. Yeah. And doctors are the most respected profession in the country. It's doctors and nurses, mm-hmm. and so you get a bunch of well-respected folks who've got some capital, right? Most of these doctors make decent money. Um, getting on the Bitcoin bandwagon, I think there's a movement that can start there. Yeah. If it starts within healthcare,
0: then like, watch out. Right. Um, yeah, so start everywhere: healthcare, energy, the ranching industry. Let's get all these yeah very important sectors bought in. That's that's what's making me very bullish about Bitcoin in the United States specifically. Obviously, you have a lot of people lobbying politicians, and, and we had the Bitcoin Mining Council send something to the EPA this week. But I think if you just look around at the natural grassroots growth between individuals, particular industries, if you can kickstart the healthcare industry, it's going to get to a point within the next few years where it's it, it's undeniable that it is beneficial, and that if the government were to try to take it away from all these integral sectors, there would be backlash that would that would be very palpable for for those that are those elected officials and, yeah well
1: and, and impact their ability to get reelected yeah like, look get on the bandwagon or else what is it 40 million people or something like that that are in bitcoin or maybe more crypto or whatever the yeah. number is but it's like it's a big enough population that you you gotta think they start having some
0: sway yeah i think it's happening i think it's happening yeah agreed and then agreed. back to crowd health yeah and the doctor's incentives too, this is um, some of the a question that hops on my mind as we've been talking here. Like, could you argue, even though the doctors within CrowdHealth um, are selling their services uh, for lower costs because they're negotiating down because they're able to pay them right away and all that, could you argue they can actually make more money in the long run by engaging in this model because it would bring more people uh, to Actually, go get healthcare because you can make the argument that a lot of people actually don't get things looked at or go to the doctors because they're worried about like the cost of insurance or a procedure.
1: Yeah, I think there's no doubt. I mean, I think it's at a, at a minimum break even, you know. Mm-hmm. And your if it's break even and your emotional well being is much much higher, um, then it's a it's a win, right? So just you know, for your audience, one of the crazy things about this is that the doctors. Oftentimes, have to call the health insurance plans to say, "Hey, can I do this procedure?" And they're talking to somebody at the health insurance plan. It's called a pre-authorization. That is not a doctor. So, can you imagine like a doctor calling a non-doctor, at some you know, actuarial goofball sitting in the bowels of a health insurance plan that says, "Can I do X, Y, and Z pharmaceutical or you know, knee replacement or whatever?" And that person says, "No, you can't." Right. So, and by the way, in that claims, uh, one out of six claims on healthcare.gov, that's just the claims that are actually submitted to the health insurance plan. It does not include all the pre-authorizations that get rejected by the health insurance plan. So your health insurance plan is actually the one who is dictating what mm-hmm. care can be provided. Right. And so that the you think about it, just the doctors being like, this is BS, man. Like the health insurance plan should not be able to tell me what I need to do for my patient. Like I'm the doctor. I'm the one that spent whatever, a dozen years in residencies and medical school and all this kind of stuff. And so they hate that shit, I like, hate it. And so we can take that away from the requirement and just like, look, doctors, we trust you. We trust you to make the best decision. And yeah, are, are some doctors gonna be stupid about it? And yeah, for sure. But mm-hmm. we are spending way more money trying to keep them from fraudulent behavior than the actual fraudulent behavior that's gonna, gonna happen, yeah. right? So um, they love this. It's, it, they absolutely can make more money. And they can have emotional well being that is well beyond. And by the way, more people, more doctors in the last year have quit than in any other time in history because of one, the pandemic, two, health insurance plans and government intervention, right? And so, like, we need something for the doctors to get reinvigorated by, you know, practicing medicine. We think we can be, you know, one of those those pieces.
0: Yeah, it's a scary thought to have doctors quitting just because they're. Tired of the bureaucrat, bureaucratic bullshit, uh, the Better Business Bureau bullshit, as they say.
1: Supply but, demand goes wacky,
0: right? Well, like, you're seeing it right now in airline industry too. All the pilots are like, you know what? Screw this mandates. Um, in many areas, are just like, all right, we're retiring. You have, you have like a shortfall of something like sixty thousand pilots right now in the United States, right. which is insane.
1: Right, and, and I, I all I think a lot of this is because of of the government intervention. Back to government intervention, right? Mm-hmm this whole mask thing for I mean, we won't get there, but you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. all these crazy things that have happened over the last couple of years have put a lot of the industries that we rely upon, including healthcare on tilt, right? Because they just can't, they're, they're tired of it.
0: Well, it's, it's, I mean, I've had a very direct experience with the insanity of the mask mandate specifically. I mean, my son, we am talking about him before he's two. He just turned two earlier this year. And because of the mandate, um, Hasn't obviously been able, he wasn't in the first two years of his life. Um, even though we had him hanging out with his cousins and stuff. Because uh, of the mask mandate, like he, he was like a couple months behind on speech development. And mm-hmm. so like, we engaged with a speech pathologist to help catch him up. And she's been doing an incredible job. But like, when she first showed up, she was wearing a mask. And my wife asked her, she's like, are you going to be wearing the mask when you do the speech pathology? And she was like, yeah, we have to due to like policy Um, Luckily, we were able to convince her. Like, hey, we're not going to snitch on you, and she's been doing it without it. But like, they're literally sending speech pathologists to teach kids how to speak, which an integral part of that is looking at lips, lips. right? And seeing this. How crazy is this stuff? It's insane. I mean, it's literal clown world. It is clown. It's almost like they're trying to see how stupid we are and how much people will take to it's like a like a touring test or something like that. It's like yeah. it's insane. Like I'm getting angry right now just thinking about it. Like she should up with a mask and like you're going to do speech lessons with my son with a mask on. This doesn't make any sense. They were like, "Oh, sometimes I can bring a clear mask. Uh, it gets a little foggy, but like it's it's better Jeez. than this." And I want to be clear. The woman is is working with my son. It's incredible. We love her. Um, and luckily she's we've worked out this deal in private where it's like, you don't have to wear the mask. We're not going <laughs> to snitch on you. That's great. But That's great. Um, to think there's families out there that haven't been able to convince their speech pathologist to do this is insane. It's
1: insane. I mean, yeah. Multiply that by 10 with just healthcare and some of the insanity that I could tell you about, you know, it's, it's, it's again, the perverse incentives are insane absolutely insane
0: Let's get let's get in some more so i guess let's completely destroy the healthcare industry like what are other insane well you things know the, you the, the
1: other things too is like um we, we live in austin you know there there are two hospital systems in austin
0: <laughs> arc
1: and it, well no it's it's saint david's mm-hmm. and ascension okay right? it's ascension Seton okay. or the two biggies right and mm-hmm. so um they own austin you cannot uh provide health insurance in austin unless you have both of those lined up right and uh so there have a duopoly there are duopoly in austin so even if united healthcare wanted to <coughs> negotiate with ascension or saint david's they can't because they can't lose one of them so it's one of the biggest companies on the planet who can't actually negotiate with the hospital system because they're negotiating against a duopoly but you and i can go in and we have more negotiating power than United Healthcare does in that situation. So imagine this, right? Um, you know, a, a cancer or whatever it is, it's a million dollar bill. You, the health, the health plan or the health, uh, the health system will look at you and be like, "Okay, you know, how are you going to pay a million dollar bill? You probably can't. So let's negotiate." So United Healthcare will pay a, a million. You know, if 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 we were their patient, the Schoonovers will probably pay more, like two hundred and fifty thousand and they'll do it $10,000 a month for 24 months, right? Mm -hmm. So 0% interest or actually negative interest because due due to inflation inflation, um, that the schoonovers will be have to pay for that. And so if you think about it within the crowd health example, let's just say we've got, you know, a couple thousand people, that's five bucks per person per month for a couple of years for a catastrophic claim mm-hmm. so instead of paying the million dollars we're paying 250 we're paying at 10 grand a month over two years and so it just you know minimizes that huge you know bill and we're able to do that because actual market forces are working right i can actually negotiate with with the hospital there's actually federal code that says if somebody provides you with a service and they haven't given you the price beforehand uh you they have to negotiate a fair price Mm -hmm. that is federal code law law. So you can go into the emergency room. They're not going to give you a, you know, a a fair price. When you come out, you can negotiate with them. And that's what we do on behalf of our members. So we're getting like 60% negotiations on, on average, the bigger bills, you get 80 or 90%. So that's one of the crazy things. Like we as individuals have more negotiating power than, than United healthcare does, you know, one, one, like, real like tactical thing your audience can do whether you join crowd health or not you know you uh you walk into your doctor you walk into the hospital and they give you these still like we're we're in freaking 2022 and they're giving you these clipboards of like five or six sheets of paper that you fill out the same questions every time mm-hmm. right and you're like Gu- guys haven't you figured out how to do this yet but uh, anyway one of them is the personal financial responsibility form which it basically says when you sign it, it says you agree to pay whatever we charge you, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And you sign it. And most of us just like fly through it. Like we just don't even pay attention. We just, and what we tell our members to do is is mark through that that sentence and put, I agree to pay appropriate charges or reasonable charges. Either one of those works. And that then allows you after the fact to go in and negotiate with them because you didn't sign your life away. So every time you go into the doctor's office, They'll give you that sheet of paper, cross through it. And not once have we had any doctor come back and say, oh, yeah, we can't do this. They'll always do it. And it gives you now the prime negotiating uh, leverage leverage on, on that that doctor or that, that hospital.
0: I would, I would imagine 99% of people don't even know this is a oh, thing.
1: Don't even know it. Don't even know it. I didn't know it. I was in healthcare before. I didn't know it. And so I you know, started doing research and it was like, how can these hospitals do this? Oh, well, you signed your life away when you, when you went in. Oh, and by the way, you had a concussion or you had you know, a broken hand or you, mm-hmm. your blood was gushing. And they're like, oh yeah, by the way, sign this, right? And you're like- Yeah,
0: just how, get, get, me, get me in the room, please. Get me in the room.
1: And then you walk into the emergency room and you're on insurance, right? And the anesthesiologist is out of network because all the anesthesiologists in the hospital all the ER doctors in the hospital aren't actually employed by the hospital. They're separate companies Mm -hmm. that may or may not be in the same network as the hospital. So, right, when you're, it's crazy, right? So when you talk about your deductible, it's like, hey, a family of four will probably have a deductible somewhere between four and $8,000. That's in network. If you go to the hospital and they have a out-of-network ER, then you're paying, that doesn't count towards your deductible. I mean, that is screwed up, right? Like, and you don't even have anything to say. You could be unconscious going into the ER. You have no idea if the doctor working on you is in network or out of network. And the impact on you is thousands could be tens of thousands of dollars.
0: And then that example you just put for you're forced into that situation. You're forced into it. You have no way of getting out of it. How do they get this complex and... It feels like there should just be a streamlined. Like if you own a hospital, you should have ER doctors, doctor, anesthesiologist. Yeah. Is that just not scalable? Like why has it gotten to this piecemeal?
1: It's almost like the hospitals becoming real estate companies, right? Like they wanna they want to uh own the real estate and they have people, you know, pay in to be a part of the the services, mm. and then they get the, the the funds from that little piece. And so you got these hospitals that could be 30 or 40 or 50 different companies all providing care within that building. And they're all on different networks and all kinds of crazy stuff. But you can't tell the ambulance, take me to St. David's as opposed to, you know, Ascension, Maine, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's just not the way it works. Just not the way it works. No, And they'll, then they'll take you to where they they want to take you and they are going to cover their ass, right? So they're going to take you to, the, the best ER, best quote unquote ER that they can take you to to make sure they can take care of your issue, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, they're gonna take you to the trauma center if there's any like- If you're shot. Yeah, or, or even if there's something even close to trauma because if they don't take you to a trauma center and they take you to like a tier two hospital and you actually had trauma, then now you have liability for taking them to the wrong place, mm-hmm. right? So they're always gonna upcharge you <laughs> to, to cover their ass.
0: Well then that's another thing, just like ambulance cost in and of itself. Yeah. A lot of people don't call 911 because they're like, I'm not taking the ambulance. It's gonna be like four grand. Yeah. We had a, a woman who was on one of
1: these uh, short-term health plans. It was called uh, Golden Rule and it was done by United. So she fell in her in her bathroom, hit her head, called 911. Uh the the ambulance took her 15 miles. It was 3500 dollars for the ambulance. She was in the hospital for five hours. for the hospital bill and United decided to pay 1500 and stuck her with the rest. What? Stuck her with the rest.
0: So she got stuck
1: with a $37,000 bill. It was like 33 or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was stupid. So the yeah, thirty-five thousand was including ambulance. So the okay. hospital bill was like thirty-one or something like that. Right. Yeah, yeah. Stuck with the rest. And so she came to us. She's like, "Oh my gosh, Crowd Health, can you help? Because one, I want to be a part of you because this, you know, short-term health plan screwed me. And two, can you help me negotiate?" So we negotiated that down from thirty-five thousand. Um, we got everything down except the ambulance. Um, she's only paying fifteen hundred bucks out of pocket. So the thirty-two thousand went down to fifteen hundred. The ambulance is still thirty five hundred, uh, and we're suing them in small claims court huh. on her behalf.
0: What's the uh, what's the case revolve around? How are you able to sue them?
1: Yeah, for you know this back to this, they have to negotiate with us mm-hmm. because you know it's code. Um, and United Healthcare paid them five hundred, and so they she wants another. They want another thirty five hundred from this woman, and so we like, look, we didn't have an agreement with you, right? So you have to negotiate. And you're not willing to negotiate a fair price. What is a fair price for 15 miles? And by the way, they couldn't get an IV in her. They didn't provide her any of those services, and they charged her for all of those services, really? even they don't, though they didn't provide them. So we're suing them in small claims court. And that's the one thing we'll do. We'll, we'll we'll provide you legal assistance in the case that the hospital just doesn't want to negotiate, right? Which is not something you would do on your own, but we'll do it.
0: Yeah. How long do these neg- negotiations take usually if a doctor or an ambulance provider? Couple been, yeah. Yeah. A couple months. Yeah. Yeah. Typical couple months.
1: The, the 32,000 to the, it's around 30, 32, something like that, 1,000 to 1,500 took a couple weeks. Yeah. The the ambulance one now has been going on for several months because they just won't negotiate. Yeah.
0: I think these people would want to help people. You'd think. You'd think.
1: Yeah. Yeah does this go into like dental and um. doing dental and vision? We're starting it in October. Okay. So in the same thing, but you know, the, right now the dental and vision plans, they totally suck. Like dental plan is basically you're paying for your cleanings. Yeah. Right. And if you don't right. do your cleanings, you basically lose out. Right. Yep. Uh, vision pays for your glasses, which is a couple hundred bucks. So you're paying for a set of glasses or set of contacts or something. We want to do it differently. We're like, look, In your car, you have auto insurance, you pay for your gas, you pay for your tires, you pay for your oil change, right? Like if you want to go in our dental or vision plan, like you can pay for the oil change, right? But if something big happens, that's when you really need something, Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, uh, wisdom teeth or something like that for your, or, or, you know, need crowns or implants or tmj or one of those things that cost several thousand dollars to fix like that's when you really need something you don't need it for your 200 cleaning no right so ours is going to be structured a little bit different than your typical dental insurance but i think it's going to be way better than you know the dental insurance you get from humana or
0: whatever yeah i mean that's something i've foregone uh dentist visits in the past i'm like i don't feel like fucking paying for this yeah
1: the other thing we're going to do uh, too is virtual primary care. So instead of having to go, like go to your doctor's office, right? Which sucks. Like you plan it. You got a, a half an hour to get there. You know, you sit in the waiting room, all that kind of stuff. We're going to, it's free virtual. So your your primary care is 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 included in your membership. So you just talk to the same doc every time, virtual, um, you know, a couple times a year. And if you have any other issues throughout the year, you have his phone his or her phone number, you can call him, you can text him um, and that's included in your membership. Oh, so, nice. you know, and I think, again, the Bitcoin community just being a little more technologically advanced than than the, the typical, you know, American, I think will dig, you know, being able to do their primary care virtually as opposed to having to show up in the office.
0: Yeah. Another thing, again, going back to like Bitcoiners, tending to be younger and maybe more in shape. Like, how can we shift to, and this is like a more broad question, but like shifting the conversation from care after the fact to preventative care. Like we need people to be healthier. I mean, obviously we have diabetes, um, heart disease are through the roof in this country. Like how would the landscape of the healthcare industry switch if we actually became healthier as individuals within this country?
1: Yeah, well, I 80% of chronic conditions are preventable you know, and it's two primary drivers, it's what you eat and how often you work out. You know, if everybody ate, you know, decent and worked out three times a week, our costs would go down, you know, substantially. Um, You know, but what is the easy thing to eat that's low cost and it's crap, right? It's like carb heavy crap. And that's, you know, primarily shoved down our throat by big corporations like Pepsi and Coke and all those people, right? So. Yeah, I mean, it would totally change the landscape as if we could eat better and and work out. We're, you know, our our third crowd is actually going to be a trainer's crowd because all the trainers throughout the country, most of them are 1099s. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, So we're going to have a crowd of trainers also. Um, We're going to be able to, you're soon you're going to be able to to stick your uh your apple watch or your fitbit or your whoop or whatever those are you know to directly into our app so that if you work out you know three times a week you'll actually get a reduction of how much you have to put in so to incentivize you know healthier healthier habits um so we're trying to do some things like that to incentivize it, ultimately you're going to have to feel it in your pocketbook like there's got to be a way that people feel it so that are incentivized to to eat better and and uh and, and work out like i don't see any other way to to reduce that than incentivizing people in the pocketbook
0: yeah um, yeah god it's all so fucked it's like compounded <laughs> like, cri- like a crisis of bad incentives in the uh, health industry and then like a crisis of actual health outside of it um, Yeah. which is
1: uh, yeah i mean you know interestingly like uh if you line us up against the other European countries, the actual consumption of healthcare is not that different. Like we do some things here in the United States, a lot of cover your ass stuff. Like we do twice as many labs as you know European countries. Uh, we do twice as many cesarean sections as as European countries. Um, but other other than that, like one or two other little things, like the consumption of healthcare is pretty flat, right? So. And we're still getting twice as much. We have to pay twice as much for it, the same consumption. So it's all, it's it's mostly in in pricing. But I would also say that you know some of the European countries too are also you know way overweight. You know BMIs of thirty plus, right on average.
0: Um, so we got to get that fixed. Yeah, we're, that fixed. we're turning into that that Wally society. Of like, eventually we're just going to be fat people. Yeah, exactly. In these these floating uh, vehicles that are just getting getting pushed everywhere. It's got to change. It's got to change. And... Um, the current structure ain't going to do it. No. Because like you said earlier,
1: like the health plans actually make more money if you're sick. So there is no incentive anywhere within the healthcare system for you to get better. Yeah. Right now.
0: No. Which is, How do you like shake people awake to that? Yeah. I think most people... A lot of people understand it. I think the opioid crisis specifically, it was like an aha moment. Like, oh shit. Like, these people are not in it to to make us healthier. You think of like my generation, I'm 30. Like, I remember in high school, kids taking like 90 milligram XR Adderall because they had ADD. Right. Become dependent on it. And still to this day, are probably dependent on um, that Adderall. That amphetamine, which is not good for you at all in the long run.
1: There's a lack, not to get too deep, but there's a lack of clear purpose within many in our society. And when you don't have a purpose, you look for medication in a variety of things. One, actually being medication, <laughs> you know, or two, it's food, you know, and, and, and that, that ultimately is what I think the, the, the problem is, right? It's like just a lack of purpose. Uh, um, and that's why I think of these a lot of folks in, in Bitcoin man like you've you found a, a a purpose to rally around um, which which you know ha- has some biochemical you know Im- impact on your on your brain You're like man, I'm fired up to get up in the morning and going after a, a a mission and the vast majority of people in this this country don't have a mission and if they do, they decided it's gonna be a mission of ridiculousness like, you know we could go through the list of political, you know, topics here that mm-hmm. are just mission based that make no logical sense. Um and and you know it's just a lack of a lack of purpose, man. Um, when you find people with lack of purpose, they're typically overweight, they typically don't work out and therefore their healthcare costs are going to be, you know, three or four times, you know, the ones who do work out and do have a BMI of, you know, mid to low 20s. Yeah.
0: And again, I think this all comes back to something I've been saying for years now fix the money, fix the world. It's all we're just thrown on this proverbial hamster wheel of paycheck to paycheck, do this mindless Excel monkey work yeah. and, for a job that you really don't care about. But there's a bunch of people in the health insurance industry who are some of those people who feel like they lack purpose at the end of the day
1: we're trying to build man like a, a community feel about this i mean it's one of the things I, I i really love about you know bitcoin i kind of mentioned this earlier like it, i i was i was a little bit hesitant to join into the whole bitcoin thing right because from the outside looking in it is this group of folks who are kind of self-sovereign and kind of don't want anybody else messing with them don't want the government messing with them right it's like a what do they, they even call it the so- sovereign human or whatever whatever that sovereign individual sovereign yeah. individual thank you yeah but the community, man, is like really powerful for a bunch of sovereign individuals. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting juxtaposition. For all these sovereign individuals, the community is one of the most powerful communities that I've, I've actually witnessed, right? And so we're trying to use some of that affinity in our, in our service where it's like, look, man, like you can take care of yourself and it's gonna benefit everybody who's in your community you can act like an idiot and eat crap and become overweight and don't work out. And it's going to impact everybody in the community. And like, these are your community of your, your bros, right? Like there's hopefully that will be enough to change some behavior. Um, I think it could be, you know, I think it could be. Um, So it's just kind of an interesting piece of, of Bitcoin that it was probably my biggest shock as somebody new into Bitcoin is just the, the tightness of that, of that community, but also like, the willingness to teach, you know, people not, you know, with, you know, lots of Bitcoin experience. Like, man, I've had so many people like, call me if you have a question or like, Mm -hmm. let me, you don't know how to store this stuff. Like, let me, let me tell you, like, here's the difference between, you know, cold storage and, you know, custodial and self custodial, you know, I'm like, oh man, cool. Like, thanks for, you know, being that, that uh, support. Um, And I think in healthcare, it's similar, like a health plan, you're out on your own, right? Like you got to figure it out. The health plan is not on your side. You know, for us, I'm are at CrowdHealth, like you have somebody to call and it's one person in our organization. They're yours. They're called your care advocate. Mm -hmm. You can call them anytime. Every time you call us, you're going to talk to the same person. So if you have- That's incredible. If you have a healthcare event, like that you have a question on, you could talk to five different people and tell them your health event five different times. And you're like, holy crap, I'm going through hell right now. And I can't get anybody to like engage. And by the way, that my person might not even be in the United States. No. Like, they don't have a clue, right? With us, it's like the same person every time, which is like hugely valuable. And one of the biggest like benefits of, of working with us, and that's what we, the feedback we've gotten is like, it's great just to be able to like get on the phone with somebody. And you're actually like, we, we give them your, their, we give you their calendar, like, right? so you can like book 15 minutes with them. So you don't have to wait on the phone. You don't mm-hmm. have to do any of that BS. It's like you've got 15 or 30 or whatever minutes of her time that you need. Um, that's, I think it's just a huge, huge value. <laughs> yeah. Again, trying to build that community,
0: right? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the conversation is really highly. we haven't said it directly yet, but we will now, like the insurance industry, the health insurance industry is dehumanized people. They're just inputs into yeah. the actuary formula of do we, give this money or not to be allowed this to happen or not. They don't yeah. really care about your personal um, situation or, or what you're going through.
1: There's a fun meme out there. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like, you know, the, the evolutionary chain, right? Like you start with the monkey and mm-hmm. then you get into the home, whatever it is, you know, it's like all the way up. And then it's like, it turns into barcodes you know, <laughs> yeah. at, at the very end, which is like truly like how we are being treated by, by health insurance. Like we're turning into barcodes
0: mm-hmm. ultimately. You know, that sucks. No, it's ever again, every aspect health insurance, the food industry, real estate. Like when you can talk about like MBS tranches, everything's just an input, like cell function. Like how much profit can I eke out of this? Um, It's not to say the profit's a bad thing, but like the incentives of growth at all costs, uh, quarterly growth, Mm -hmm. monthly growth that is incentivized by this fiat monetary system where you have to outpace inflation. There's again, Creates perverse incentives across everything. Mm-hmm. and I think that's why I'm so passionate about bringing like a sound money standard to to the world in the digital age, because again, you just need to fix those incentives. Imagine if you were incentivized to allocate capital as efficiently as possible and actually work to help somebody as cheaply as possible because you want to keep as much Bitcoin as you possibly can.
1: Yeah, what are the most screwed up things in the United States if you ask any bitcoiner? Number one is gonna be the monetary system. I'm pretty sure that the vast majority of people are gonna say the monetary system, followed up by healthcare. Like, I mean, those have gotta be one and two. I mean, yeah. if it's not one and two, it's the two of the top three. You know, there's a, I think it was Gallup two years ago that was, did a, a study on the most hated industries. Government was one, <laughs> pharma was two, health insurance was three. And it's like, and that was done, I think a couple of years ago. I don't think any of those things have gotten their <laughs> reputations better over the last, you know, three years or two years. Um, so Certainly not pharma. <laughs> Certainly not pharma.
0: No, it's it's disgusting how the last two years you're able to have, is it Scott Gottlieb, is he the guy, is the uh, chairman of Pfizer? Maybe. He's just on CNN, CNBC every day. Like, Go buy this vaccine and then... Now it's the pill now or something oh, that yeah. they're
1: coming out with. You got to buy the pill to make sure you don't get covid and it's like you know but look we can rip on pharma too. Pharma is 10% of the issue. Pharma is 10% of our total healthcare costs. Right? So mm. we can we can cut pharma in half and we're only down, you know, 5%, 5% yeah. right? Like it's it's elsewhere. Yeah. You know, and and pharma is not to get off, right? They, you know, pay the ridiculous prices for these these drugs. Um, you know, and you have PBMs, right? With pharmacy benefit managers, which are basically the middleman between the drug makers and the health insurance plans. And they take a big chunk of, of revenue too. Um, then you have to go to the pharmacy and they take a chunk. Like there's so many people in the, in the value middleman chain. Middlemen everywhere. Middleman everywhere. Like you just get rid of some of that stuff. And oh, that's the other thing is prescription for us. Um, you know, we send people to GoodRx, which cuts out the PBM middleman basically and you get prescription drugs for like sixty or seven percent, sixty or seventy percent less than, you know, through what your health plan pays for. Um, you know, we just had a guy, he's actually a friend of mine, he was on crowd health and he didn't he woke up, didn't feel good. He jumped on his app, he pressed urgent care. Within two minutes he's talking to an urgent care doc. He's like, you probably have strep throat. I'm gonna give you a prescription for strep throat at the H-E-B right next to you. He goes to H-E-B, he uses our our kind of pharmacy benefits. It's six bucks, he pays <laughs> six bucks and he's fine within 24 hours. I was like, that's how healthcare should be done.
0: What was that timeline? How how many hours
1: from app well, to- Well, app, he, pressed the, he said from the pressing the button on the app to talking to the doc was two minutes and 22 seconds. Holy shit. He was at the pharmacy 30 minutes later for his, you know, $6 prescription for, for strep. And he felt better within 24 hours.
0: So within 45 minutes, he had Within 45 medicine.
1: minutes, he had what he needed. Yeah. And, he, and he had to exit. I think his wife went and got the prescription for him, right? Mm-hmm. So didn't even have to leave his house. Like that's how healthcare should be done,
0: Yeah,
1: right? Like, there's not a lot of that you need to, to be, you know, in face to face with a doctor. What is he going to do? Like do the little like knock on your knee is <laughs> like, come on, like give right? me a break. Um, You don't need that stuff. Yeah. So we, that's what we're trying. We're trying to totally change how healthcare is being delivered, starting with the payment system. But if you can do most of that stuff virtually over an app on your phone or your computer, like that's how that should be done.
0: Yeah, 45 minutes, six bucks. Yeah. Fine 24 hours later.
1: Most of the time, the urgent care doc, they will take care of 90% of your issues. Mm-hmm. quickly remotely you don't have to walk into oh, urgent care
0: i've been an urgent care maximalist for a while um <laughs> since because i was like unemployed in my mid-20s like right when i was 26 and i got kicked off my parents health care yeah and i just like yelled i was like i don't need health insurance i'm young i'm fine but then i got fined by obamacare um yeah because i didn't sign up for a plan well
1: now I'm that's planning. no longer in in place no so if you're in all but five states, you don't have to have health insurance. Yeah. Um. I think Trump did away with that. Good. It was the, the the individual mandate is what it was called. Got rid of that. So
0: that was a swift kick in the dick. I was unemployed. I was like willing to risk it. I was like, Yeah, hey, I don't need health insurance. And uh, yeah, deep in unemployment, the government's just like, all right, you owe us thirteen hundred dollars. Like at the time, I was like, damn, this is mm-hmm. this is material for me. Yeah.
1: Um, California, Vermont, Rhode Island, DC, Massachusetts, and one other one. I can't remember what the other one is. There's five states in which you have to have health insurance. And so if you're in one of those states, you can still join CrowdHealth. You just have to get like, it's called a MAC. It's a minimum essential coverage, uh, which is like another hundred bucks a month. And that will satisfy most of those states Mm -hmm. um, requirement.
0: Well, that's another thing about the whole healthcare debate is the politicians. The government really plays to the emotions of the masses with like universal healthcare, um, especially particular politicians um, that lean turn a certain way, um, this whole concept of universal healthcare. You've got it in Canada, you've got it in Europe, you've got it in the UK, like the NHS system, like we need to bring that here to the United States. What would you say to people pushing the, the concept yeah, of dude. universal healthcare
1: <laughs> I, we, as a human right? We get so many people from Canada calling us being like, hey, will you come to Canada? You know, we, we were trying to figure out regulatory-wise, can we do that? But like, they are so fed up with their system in Canada um, that they they want to use, you know, crowd health so they can pay their doctors in in cash. Um, what I found out, I think this is true in Canada, you can't actually pay your doctors in cash. Like, you have to go through the, the system.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So they don't like it. I mean, I, there was some crazy stats I saw a couple months ago, which like, Some guy tore, I think it was tore his ACL or something like that. Like um, had to wait, I think it was four or five months to actually get to the doctor, right? So imagine having a torn ACL for four or five months. Then it was another three or four months to actually get the surgery. So you're like seven or eight months in and you're now just getting your surgery. And now you have another six or seven months rehab Mm -hmm. to to, to get that right. Like if y'all want to wait, like, Six to nine months for things that we can get next week in the United States, then go for it. Like you know, have fun with that. Like let's see how long that's going to last. Yeah, right. You're going to have to choose. Um, you, you know, and and I I think with this universal universal health care, one our the quality of our medical care is going to go down because more doctors are going to like screw this. We're not going to do this. Yeah. Um, because they're going to get paid less. You can't get paid the way that you get paid here. Um, and you're gonna we're gonna have to wait. We're just going to be willing to wait months at a time for some for of these these,
0: treatment. these these treatments. Yeah. No, I also heard. I forget who I was speaking with. They run a company over in the United Kingdom. They're like, we can poach so much talent because we are one of the few companies that that offers to pay for private health insurance. Yeah. Which apparently over there, compared to the NHS, it's way you, better. You're waiting days yeah. instead of months
1: well look and, and you know you we can rip on our healthcare system but the best doctors are here in the united states right the best hospitals are here in the united states where do all the saudi princes go you know when they need to get their heart surgery they come to the united states like there are there are hospitals in major u.s cities that have like a hotel suite level in their hospital that is set up like a hotel suite Mm -hmm. so that they can live, you know, people can live there while getting medical services and they'll pay top dollar for it. So, you know, the doctors here are the best in the world. It's the system that the doctors operate within. It's the context that the the doctors are in that is really screwing this up.
0: Well, screwing it up now, like you think projecting into the future, like we should move quickly to fix perverse incentives in the system because will it prevent people from becoming doctors in the first place in the future? Like,
1: oh, I think so, absolutely.
0: Are people being disincentivized to get into the the field at large because they see the morass of the bureaucratic bullshit that's been thrust onto the industry and they're saying, I don't want to deal with that.
1: It'll be interesting to see how, you know, medical school applications go over the next couple of years. I haven't seen any data on it, but it would not shock me if they're like, screw this. Yeah. Or, you know, I, I know a bunch of, uh, of docs who go through medical school and they're like, okay, I've got my MD. Now, do I really want to go and and treat people? Or do I want to go and work for a private equity firm or a hedge fund or, you know, one of these these organizations that'll pay them five times as much as you'll get paid as a primary care doc?
0: Yeah.
1: Right? So <laughs> why, why would you why would you go and do that? You know, I don't
0: know. Yeah. I, think, I mean, I think Jonathan at 1031 is an example. That I, like, well, Jonathan's just, one. Yeah. Like, you know what? Yeah. I don't feel like dealing with all this bullshit. Anymore.
1: Um you know, some of your folks might know, uh, Ovik Roy, um, mm-hmm. you know, he, Ovik is here in Austin. He's, he had a awesome Bitcoin.
0: Ovik, if you're listening, I owe you your, your glasses. I'm going to get them back to you.
1: <laughs> Ovik is actually on our board. Um, he's I, an I incredible know. man. Man, he's one of the smartest dudes I know, you know, and he went to Yale medical school. So he went through, you know, four years of med school. He's like, oh, I can go and be a doc or I can go work at the hedge fund, you know, in, in New York. And he went and worked for it at, at a hedge fund. Um, and I made a heck of a lot more money than he made in, in, in being a doc. Um, and thank God he did because he's one of the leading, kind of, he's the thought leader on Bitcoin. I mean, he had an mm-hmm. awesome article out, what, three or four months ago on just mm-hmm. the impact of, of Bitcoin and how it could have it on our society, which is probably one of the most read Bitcoin articles ever, I'd imagine. Um, he's just a thought leader in some of these things. In healthcare policy, he's trying to like get left and right to say, hey, let's we want to take care of people. We want people to not, to be more healthy. How can we do that in a bipartisan way? And he's just done a phenomenal job on taking a bipartisan approach to some of these. And he sits on my board. So he's, you know, I've got his ear, you know, thank God, um, say, so, hey, how do we think about this? Yeah,
0: I think Ovik's doing an incredible job of really bridging a gap that seems to be getting wider in terms of partisan politics. Yeah. it's.
1: You can go to his Twitter account. It's at Ovik, A-V-I-K. I'm giving him a shout out. And it's like, you can see the people who follow him. And it's like left leaders, you know, like house majority, house minorities, you know, leader, like all all of these people from all angles, you know, Greg Abbott follows him and uh, and Gavin Newsom follows like all these people follow Ovik. It's pretty
0: impressive. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like he's doing very important work because I think he realizes, which I think most people realize at the end of the day left versus right is a, is a somewhat of a false dichotomy. At the end of the day, we, we all have needs and we all probably want the same thing, which is like be able to take care of our family, be able to take care of our health, have dignity with our work, be able to to sustain ourselves um, via hard work. And the again, the perverse incentives of... The system that's been that we've been thrust into um, don't allow that, so it just creates this friction where you're looking for somebody to point the finger at, and uh, a lot of people in the political sphere do a good job of yeah. using red blue um, to pit people against each other, swiping at branches when we're not getting to the core of the problem, which is these perverse incentive systems sure. that have been erected.
1: That's why I think like, you know I have opening on my board because I think that crowd health can be very very interesting to people on the left and folks on the right. Like if you want, you know, m- m- the the kind of free market to move, which is a bit more of a right-leaning crowd, we're, we, that's all we're about. We're trying to create free market economy within the healthcare. If you want people to have lower cost healthcare, right? The people on the left, like that's one of the things like, especially the poor in the middle class, the number one tax in the middle class is health insurance. It just is, right? and so it's like hey how do we help those people um you know reduce their costs like i think the folks from the left can also be you know on board with with this too and they're no fans of health insurance plans either um you know the the folks on the left and so i think this could be one of those where it's you know left and right let's let's get together here and and uh and do something special um i hope we can have a good bipartisan crew um as a part of of crowd health so
0: yeah well you have like a, a free market we're all in this together solution which we're all in yeah. this together um or can be if you're willing to pay sure for, your, for uh one of your community members bills um, yeah. appeals to the left as well yeah this is a been a fascinating conversation andy thank you for coming in thank you for doing what you do thanks for having me um i can't wait to become a member
1: yeah well we'd, we'd love to, to have you let, let, let us know um you know, my, my, my parting shot here is, you know, I've kind of mentioned the beginning of, of this. I went over to healthcare.gov um, to get my, my plan. Um, and, you know, ultimately what healthcare.gov is becoming is a, an expansion of, of Medicaid, you know, in this, mm-hmm. uh, it was America's Cares Act or whatever that big pandemic act trillion cares, multis, act. cares act whatever? Yeah, they, they
0: they're very good at naming these. They are. It's gonna sound very good. It sounds
1: good. The Affordable Care Act and premiums are up four hundred percent since that was <laughs> uh, done. Uh, it's it's becoming an expansion of Medicaid. So you know they they took uh, you know. Now, now three, three to five hundred percent of poverty levels now fully covered under healthcare.gov, and so they're actually trying to, I think, use healthcare.gov to expand Medicaid. Right. So, what I'm trying to say here is, if you like government expansion, um, then keep going to healthcare.gov. If you don't like government expansion, don't be on healthcare.gov. Try something different, whether it's Crowd Health or whatever. Um, you know, you are you are ultimately supporting government intervention in our healthcare by going on healthcare.gov, and so I'm just. I'm I'm asking people to can reconsider that and you can drop off anytime that you want. So consider us, but there's some other options out there too, but don't do healthcare.gov.
0: Say no to the government. Say no
1: to healthcare.gov. Yes. I'm going to use that.
0: We can find CrowdHealth at joincrowdhealth.com, correct?
1: Joincrowdhealth.com. If you're interested in the the Bitcoin version, um, it's crowdhealthbtc.com. It'll take you to kind of a, a landing page. Would love for you to show interest in that um And you know, and then t- Twitter, uh, Scoonover Andy is my Twitter handle. Join Crowd Health is is ours. Follow us. We have some pretty pointed commentary on healthcare if you're at all interested. And we're starting to dive into the Bitcoin stuff as well on our Twitter Twitter page. And then Instagram is Join Crowd Health as well.
0: Well, is there a future you see where this Bitcoin pilot community goes so well that you just implement it across the board? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh,
1: It's our, I mean, it's, man, it's totally our people. (laughs) (laughs) You know, our people are are libertarian leaning. I don't want to say that in terms of like a political, you know, uh, party or anything, but it is like a, it is a group of people who are like screw the government getting involved i want to do something on my own i'm cool being a part of a community and i think the fact that you will only be within the kind of bitcoiners um you know funding each other i think is a cool component of that and so it could be something that we just expand it you know to everybody every crowd will have you know a bitcoin component to it because it makes so much sense like why have that money sitting out there in fiat, mm-hmm. it doesn't make a ton of sense. Can, I just got to get more people
0: comfortable with, yeah. with that. I mean, you can argue you have like a fiduciary responsibility as the, the service provider to like protect. At uh, least
1: give them the option. Yeah. Right. Like have our Bitcoin community be like, hey, this is the way it's going to work. And then the other crowd being like, hey, you can put it in fiat if you want, but let's give you the option of, of, of doing it with, with Bitcoin. Okay. Right. Like I think that's the first step. Um, and then hopefully get more and more people interested in that, yeah. So yeah. it'll be great.
0: All right. Well, I can't wait to see it explode. Uh, August first.
1: August first is where we're we're targeting. Um, if we have a thousand people, we're gonna we're gonna roll. So we're integrating with our partners right now. It's like I said, it's a Bitcoin only platform that we're integrating with. We'll tell the name here shortly. It's one that everybody knows. Um, so we're we're excited to to make that public here shortly.
0: Boss freaks crowdhealthbtc.com. You got it. Go check it out. We should, if we're not at a thousand signups after this episode, I'm actually very disappointed in, uh, in you, Freak. So
1: <laughs> It's no <laughs> commitment. Just go put your your email address. I'm not asking for your, you know, your personal detailed information. It's just your email address and how many people in your family would be interested. Once we get to a thousand, I'll email you. If you're interested, great. If not, that's fine too. Um, but we need a thousand to get rolling.
0: If we're not there, bye the end of this week we're going to post this episode this is live streaming live we might be there already you don't you, you could go check your email and you could be like oh i we're love a it. thousand uh but if we're not there by the end of the week i'm gonna be very disappointed in you freaks so i know this is an international podcast and a lot of you are listening abroad um but american freaks uh
1: Let's do it. Let's I'll, I'll it. look at my email right after this to see how we have uh, we have signed up. Anybody who goes to uh, to crowdhealthbtc.com, we talk a little bit about leverage. Like originally we wanted to do it all in Bitcoin and then le- use leverage so that you could have that cash. We've changed it um, per, uh, you know, Jonathan's, uh, some, some feedback from Jonathan, some some feedback from some other folks that we're gonna do 25% of fiat, 75% in Bitcoin, just so you have some liquidity. Yeah. Nobody wanted to, nobody wants to sell their Bitcoin as Michael Saylor on, you know, Bitcoin 22 stands up there and says, don't sell your Bitcoin." So We're trying not to have you sell your Bitcoin unless something crazy happens. So that's
0: our, our, uh, our attempt to not sell Bitcoin. Yeah. It's good to have it. Yeah. If you need to sell, but try not to sell. Exactly. All right. Andy, thank Thanks, you. Thanks man. Appreciate it. This Peace. Has been fun. This has been great. We got to do it again soon. Maybe so, we'll do it in August when you, uh, when you launch. I'll keep posted. All right. Peace and love, freaks.